Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. is a little different to how things usually play out on this podcast. Every now and then the tables are turned and I appear as a guest on someone else's show. A few weeks ago I was lucky enough to be a guest on one of my favorite podcasts, Soul Doctor, and I wanted to share an excerpt from a conversation that I had with host Rebecca Detman in an episode called Food Wars. The episode in its entirety explores all facets of the way we view, feel, connect, disconnect and overanalyze our food. It explores weight loss culture, disordered eating, food as medicine and even dares to tackle the carnivores versus vegans debate. Now, Rebecca's interviewing format is different to most podcasts in that it's it's not just an interview between her and a guest. She picks a topic of discussion each week, researches it heavily, and then invites various guests to share their opinions or experiences on that particular topic. In this excerpt from the full episode, which you can listen to over at Soul Doctor, I'll pop the link in the show notes, we discuss mindful and intuitive eating how energy plays a big role in the foods that we eat, how to have a love affair with your kitchen, why recipes are like spells and magic potions, how to stop bringing gas to the dinner table, and so much more. I loved chatting with Rebecca. Um, She is one of those uh, spiritual teachers and mentors and women in business who I look up to so um, when you go over there to listen to the full episode of this please check out her other episodes they are um, so insightful some of them are batshit crazy and I think she'd be the first to admit that (laughs) but they are absolutely fascinating and I know you'll enjoy them as much as I do and I promise we'll be back to the regular program next week deep down it's about finding this intuition and innate wisdom about yourself getting to know yourself better and that's when we can start to tap into what foods make us feel 
certain ways and, you know, what times of the year make us want to eat certain foods and how do we react to that and how does that affect our emotions? And, you know, it becomes this sort of inner work. I mean, there's a lot of women and men, but let's stick with women for the moment in this society who have basically gone on such a reductionist, almost scientific path that they view their body as measurements, calories, data, weight. You know, it's like we've just been reduced to numbers and measurements and all the sacredness is gone and the energy has gone and the joy and creativity has gone. When you try and explain diet, and I hate that word, but when you try and explain it to people, they get so overwhelmed because there's so many different rules. But the beauty of this stuff, when you really start to understand it, is that there are actually no rules at all and that we can't count calories and we can't see how one person reacts to a different food and decide, oh, well, that food's not right for us because we are all so very, very, very individual. And the only way that we can start to work out what works for us is to track it and to document it and to feel into it. And that is what's so special when we start tapping into those natural cycles. So if I was teaching children, I would be encouraging them from a very early age to start noticing how they feel, not how they think, how they feel in certain environments at certain times of the year, at certain temperatures, when they're in a certain stage in their cycle. How does their digestion feel when they're angry? You know, how does their digestion feel when they're happy? And start to look at it from that angle. And I think in this Western society we've found ourselves in, self-love and food have a very fascinating and uneasy relationship with each other, don't they? Mm. Oh, absolutely. What's the definition of intuitive eating? I think it is basically tapping into how does something make you feel. And the beauty of intuitive eating is it's something that you can see straight away. You know, I talk to young girls about this a lot when it comes to making food choices. When you eat from an intuitive place, you will know within minutes, sometimes seconds, if you haven't mastered that, where if you're sort of eating from a place where it's like, well, is this going to make me fat or thin? It can take you weeks to figure that one out. You know what I mean? That's not something that's going to show up immediately. So if we can start tapping into the intuitive side of things, which is how am I feeling? And also from an emotional level, how am I feeling? I think that that's how we make intuitive food choices. How can food heal us? The beauty of food is that it can heal us and that it's healed us for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And somewhere along the way, we forgot that. And I think the beauty of food from a healing perspective is that it's our greatest preventative. You know, we've sort of gotten into this mentality, especially in the Western world, well, primarily in the Western world, that we need to find the cure for everything. But the most beautiful thing about food is that it heals us before we even start to deteriorate, if you know what I mean. It prevents us from having to be in a stage where we need to fix and repair. What do you think are the most common myths or you know, misconceptions in society that people hold on to around food? I think, and maybe it's just the circles I move in, but I really think people are still looking for that holy grail when it comes to food. Food is something that is so individual and not just from a weight loss perspective or from a healthy body perspective, but also, you know, how you prepare food in the kitchen. Like I love being in the kitchen. I love cooking. It is 
very calming for me. I find it very meditative. And I think that's why I find so much joy in the preparation of food. Now, not everybody feels like that at all. And some people hate being in the kitchen and they hate preparing food. And to them, I say, well, you need to find something that's going to work for you. And that doesn't mean (laughs) getting takeout, but that means finding that individual approach that's going to make you feel joy and, you know, inject good energy into the foods that you're eating. So yeah, if I could scream to the rafters across the world to people, it's that you have to find the thing that works for you and it's not going to be the thing that's working for the person opposite you. I eat from an intuitive place and I would like to say that it's come from practice, but it's just, it's an innate thing for me. Like I honestly feel like, I don't know where it came from, but I really feel like food was a gift for me and my talent around food is something far greater than, you know, that, that I could have learnt in a, in a book. Have you had <laughs> any past life recollections to do with you and food or? Yeah, definitely. Like I've been told and I have felt myself in big, big kind of like castles and medieval kitchens preparing lots and lots of food for royalty But I also see and feel myself in that very sort of like motherly, nurturing, very small, tiny, tiny kitchen kind of woman. (laughs) You know, one of the, the big things that I find with people's issues with food is guilt and anxiety, and it's a really big thing. And I think that if we can start to remove it, I, I like to call it gas, so guilt, anxiety, and stress from the dinner table, it basically gives people a new way of looking at food. And it's, it's also a di- like it's, a, it's actually a digestion issue because when we're feeling all of these negative feelings, this guilt and this anxiety around it, we're not actually digesting our food. So if we can sit there with the piece of chocolate cake and actually just enjoy it and feel okay with it, then we're actually better off in the end. So I think that would be the last thing I would say about intuitive eating and body consciousness and all the rest of it is to really try and remove those negative, negative feelings like guilt and anxiety from our dinner tables. Like it's a really out there concept and hardly any humans have truly mastered this. But when you listen to Abraham Hicks talking law of attraction, Abraham Hicks will say stuff like, even if you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, even if you lived on McDonald's or, you know, horrible trans fatty foods, now science will tell you that's going to destroy you. But if you have a completely clean, like you're saying, guilt-free, stress-free relationship with what you're doing, with, with you're not hanging on to anything, it can pass through you quite cleanly. And that's, it's a concept we understand intellectually. Not many people are actually living that, but it is still, it, I think it, it just goes some way to make people feel better. Like, as you say, I've got to have that piece of chocolate cake at the birthday party, but I'm having a diet right now. I don't want to take one or two steps back. There's a difference between that and actual soul food, food for a celebration, food for love, food that's been prepared for another person, you know? Absolutely. And on that note, Rebecca, it's also in the preparation of the food. Like, you know, I often, you know, when you're at a cafe and you can hear the chefs yelling at each other in the kitchen and I think, oh my God, what energy are they putting into my food? And way back to the farmer as well, who's having a bad day as he picks the crops, you know, all of that's getting transferred into our food. So, but I try and do that, you know, when I'm, when I'm catering, especially when I'm at retreats and I'm cooking for people, I try and stay as calm and centered as I can in the kitchen for my own sanity, but also because I'm very aware that I'm transferring all of that energy into the food that I'm serving people and they're ingesting. 
It's a funny thing because in our culture now, the celebrity chef is a male, right? Like that cooking status and that chef status from a fame perspective has very much been transferred to the masculine. We sort of, we don't have that many sensual female celebrity chefs out there. No. But I think that what it's done is it's confused certain women about, oh, this is going to sound so bad and I don't mean it like this, but about their role, you know, like it is our role to be the nurturer, to be the mother, to be in the kitchen, to be feeding, to be growing, to be expanding the people in our community. And the reason why is because it's not really about food. Food is a metaphor for something. What's it a metaphor for? I think it's a metaphor for life force. I mean, food keeps us alive. Food influences our emotions and our energies. And without it, we can't survive. And women have been the traditional custodians of that life force when it comes to food, nurturing, nourishment, breastfeeding. I mean, it all begins from the infant, doesn't it? It's really interesting because you read in fairy tales when they talk about the anti-woman or the evil woman or the wicked witch. She's the one who poisons the children or, you know, feeds them the gingerbread to lure them in and then eats them. Like it's, it's the perversion, the reverse of food where you use food for abuse because the iconic goddess woman is the woman who nourishes and gifts and feeds. Absolutely. You know, I always say, food as you know like a potion or a spell but in a really beautiful way you know and it goes back to that healing nature I am another big part of the work that I do is recipe development so I create recipes from scratch and for me as an alchemist in the kitchen that is writing a potion you know that is creating a potion or a spell that has an outcome for the person that's going to make it and ingest it and that is so empowering and such a beautiful gift Food is magic. It is magic. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Inspired Table podcast. Don't forget to listen to the full episode of Food Wars over at Soul Doctor on iTunes or find it on the podcast app. Also, while you're there, why not subscribe? I hang out every Friday for a new episode of Soul Doctor to drop. Rebecca always conducts a brilliant exploration into soulful topics other podcasts just aren't brave enough to tackle. Also, if you have any questions or you want to add to the conversation, don't forget to join me in the Inspired Table podcast group on Facebook or come and hang out with me on Instagram at the Inspired Table. Until next time, I'm Jordana Levine, wishing you an inspirational week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.